Good morning, everybody. Go ahead, open your Bibles up uh, to John chapter 15. As Emily read for us this morning, we're going to be in verses 9 through 17 this morning. Uh, so you can park uh, your Bibles there. And there's a handout with your bulletin. It's got the passage in there as well uh, with some notes. Now, Bible scholars call this particular section of Scripture here in the Gospel of John, it's uh, probably chapters 13 to 17, they call it Jesus' farewell discourse. So our scripture this morning contains some of Jesus' very last words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. It's essentially the last words before he's executed. So the words are just spilling out of him. He doesn't want to leave anything out when he talks to his disciples. There's so many things to say. And one of the things he spends his precious last few minutes on? Friendship. We're like, huh? Friendship? That's not very exciting, right? They don't make a lot of movies about friendship, do they? I mean, friends are really not my problem, are they? I mean, I have 500 Facebook friends, all right? More than 500. Now, my daughter Maeve did a book report back in high school on a book called uh, Alone Together uh, by a lady named Shelley Turkle. Uh, so she read it and did a report, and I edited it, so I didn't even have to read it. So it was great, kind of like Cliff Notes. But the premise was that even though we think we, all, we have all these friends, like we're together and connected, uh, the truth is that we've never been more alone. So we're alone together. How clever, right? I've been waiting literally years to steal that title, all right? Alone together. What could be better than that? But what the tech giants have discovered is that uh, whenever somebody likes or follows or friends or retweets, there's this little physiological reaction in your brain. Uh, we get a little squirt of a chemical, and I think it's called dopamine, uh, and it's really the unlock to the reward feeling, like feeling good about yourself. And that's why we can't wait to check our phones. We're addicted to that little chemical shot of dopamine. It's, our phones are like a dopamine clinic. But God created dopamine, right? Dopamine is not a bad thing in and of itself, okay? He created it to reinforce the benefits of a real relationship. And the tech companies have found a way to manipulate that. So in social media, you get the dopamine without the relationship. Now, I get dopamine, like David and I will have coffee, we'll chat, we'll catch up. We're getting our dopamine, okay? That's a real relationship. We're lifting each other up, we're affirming one another. That's the purpose of dopamine. <clears throat> but we're being manipulated online. Instagram Australia is actually going to begin an experiment here in the next few weeks where they're going to stop showing likes on posts and they're going to see what happens. I think that's going to destroy their business model. But go for it. Now, what I want you guys to do is open your phones up, okay? Go to my Facebook page and like the post I made about this sermon, okay? You see how insidious it is? Social media is bad. Now go click on my post. Real friendships, though, real relationships are important. And there's some gospel lessons that Jesus is going to teach us here that's going to help us better understand uh, how to be better friends and better spouses and boyfriends and girlfriends and students and co-workers, all that kind of stuff, any relationship you can think of. So this morning we're going to look at uh, the three fundamentals of friendship, the place of friendship, the principles of friendship, and the power 
of friendship. Okay, so, Blake, friends, really? We're talking about friends all morning? What's the big deal? Why is having a lot of friends important? Why is having friends important? Why would Jesus spend his last few precious minutes talking about how to be a good friend? Here's the answer in our first verse of the morning, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The Bible tells us that before time, there was friendship. As the Father has loved me, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they all existed before creation, right? So you see, the Trinity is the basis for all relationships. I like to say that the Trinity was the first life group ever, okay? So life groups are actually pre-creation. So you don't have to wait for on-ramp to join a life group. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> but the love that they have for each other, the love that God has for Jesus and Jesus has for God and the Holy Spirit has for both of them and how they love the Holy Spirit, okay? It's not a creative thing. So there was never a time when there was not love and friendship. And as good as a friend you've thought you've ever been to somebody, to your best friend ever, as well as you've thought you've ever loved somebody, it's nothing compared to this. Now, on the other side of relationships, okay, the ultimate trinity relationship, that love and friendship there, on the flip side of the coin, is loneliness. Sometimes it feels like total angst, doesn't it? And that's why you'll always remember the first time you got dumped. It stinks, right? And you know what? You're not wrong to feel lonely. You're not wrong. It's actually normal. If you're not feeling lonely, you should be concerned, okay? You're lonely precisely because you're made in the image of God. Because you are created to be in relationships. And that's why loneliness can feel so cosmic sometimes. Now, there's all kinds of relationships. There's romantic relationships. Uh, there's family relationships, right? Uh, they come pre-made. You're kind of stuck with them, right? But you always know they're going to be there, right? There's the bromance. There's the you-got-this-girl-sisterhood, right? And there's actually Greek words for all of those different kinds of relationships, all those different kinds of love in Scripture. But one thing all those types of relationships have in common is they're basically... Others focused. We're looking to get something out of them to a certain extent. They're others focused. I mean, they're self-focused. Ooh, I got the wrong point there. So all these relationships we have, they're others focused. We're always looking to get a little benefit out of them, right? I mean, even in the best ones, we're like looking for something for ourselves. But Jesus uses a different Greek word here for love. Agape. And here's the Blake Bible translation. Agape love is just because. Agape love is just because love. Because rather than self-focused, agape love is others-focused. Now, all those other relationships, they can turn into agape love, right? So we meet our spouse, and we're like, wow, this really attractive lady likes me, okay? Like, this is awesome. So I'm getting a little ego bump, right? I'm getting something out of that, right? And there's a physical attraction. So there's some self-focus there, I think, right? But, you know, hopefully over time what that turns into is, you know, Tracy and I watching uh, a sunset on the beach somewhere. 
And I love you just because I love you. Just because. That's agape. That's amore. <laughs> That's the Italian Greek. But you know, the truth is that every time we look for a friend, we're really looking for something else. It's not just the friend we're looking for. We're looking for some acceptance, some affirmation. We want to be liked for who we are, right? No matter how weird we are. I've used this story before about when I met Tracy. But when Tracy told me that she liked Star Trek and hated seafood, I was like, oh my gosh, what a combination. Me too. <laughs> and a girl who likes Star Trek, okay, that's probably sexist, I know. But Lewis, C.S. Lewis wrote, and I think it was The Problem of Pain, uh, he wrote that true friends are born in those what he calls you too moments, okay? Not hashtag me too, okay? But in those you too moments. Like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one who really liked this one weird, strange thing. You too? So the moment you meet another human being like that, they like the one thing you like. They know all your issues, right? And they stick with you anyway. I mean, I grew up in Florida, so if I don't like seafood, I'm like a total outcast. I found the one other person in Florida who didn't eat seafood. I proposed within like literally weeks. <laughs> True story. But you know, no human friend can ever accept us enough. There's always going to be a limit. No human can affirm us. You know, they can't overlook our quirks enough, our sins enough, because eventually every human being has a point at which they will say enough. They draw the line. The only person who can do 100% others focused just because agape is Jesus. But, you know, we have to have our own you too moment with Jesus. He's the only one who will ever fully get you. He knows all your darkest secrets, secrets, all the weird things that you like, okay? He knows our sin, our failure. He was even tempted the same ways that we are. So he's like the only human who totally gets us. And then not only that, but then he did something about it. He actually died for our sins. Now, I'm jumping ahead here, but in verse 13, John says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Okay, so, great. Jesus is the one true friend, right? He accepts me no matter, no matter how messed up I am. And now, now I'm just going to be able to go live my life and do whatever I want and not worry about it, okay? Let me ask you this, though. Is that how friendship really works? You have a friend, then you just do whatever you want. You never think about them. So we know that Facebook friends aren't going to be enough, right? We know that Insta friends aren't going to be enough. And we know how important real relationships are. So what next, Jesus is going to give us some friend skills, okay? Some ways we can be his friend that are going to make us better at being other people's friends. And that's the second fundamental of friendship, the principles of friendship. Now, I tricked you guys, I have to confess, okay? Because one of the fundamentals of friendship is that there's a bunch of principles. So we just went from three points to six. <laughs> Verse 9 to 11 reads this. 
Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, let me ask you this. Would you ever just ghost your best friend? Would you just stop talking to your best friend, stop answering their calls, never text them back? I mean, you always want to remain friends, right? You want to keep enjoying each other's company, don't you? Listen to what Jesus says here. Bible scholars, here's an investigative clue, okay? Jesus says, remain in my love. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. Even the FBI would get this clue, okay? And that's our first fundamental. That's our first principle fundamental, okay? Remain in my love. Now, be careful here, because Jesus is not saying, what he is not saying is that you can lose your salvation, okay? He's saying, I want you to continue experiencing it, though. You can't lose your salvation, but I want you to continue to enjoy the benefits of it, of our relationship. You know, if you don't remain, okay, you cannot remain in Jesus' love and be a Christian. If you don't remain, you could be, you're a Christian, you may be a friend, but you know, it's just not going to feel like it. Your life's going to be just like everybody else's. We're not enjoying the benefits of his friendship. Now, how do we remain friends with somebody? How do we remain in someone's love, okay? Well, we do all the things. We like to do the things they like to do, right? What they like is important to us, right? Their interests are important to us. Why do you think we're always asking, hey, what do you want to do? Uh, whatever you want to do. Hey, what movie do you want to go see? Uh, whatever movie you want to go see. No, you pick. No, you pick. No, you pick. That's like every Saturday night in my house. But that's the second principle. Jesus says, you want to remain in my love, keep my commands. Remaining in Jesus' love depends on our response. Can you guys tell I have highlighting issues? So Jesus is saying, he says, I show my love for my Father by obeying him. Now I want you to show your love for me by obeying me. And you know what? It's actually how we're able to obey, too. Jesus is actually able to obey the Father precisely because of his love for the Father. Now, we love Christ, right? We're Christians, aren't we? But in a relationship, if you're not interested in doing what the person you love likes to do, you may not be in love. Or you may not have a deep enough love, a deep love that you thought, as deep a love as you thought. And conversely, the more you love somebody, the more you become like them, right? Excuse me. Now, when Tracy and I were young marrieds, we fought, we disagreed. It was like cats and dogs sometimes. Let me tell you guys a secret. She's not here today, so I can tell you this. One of the things we always fought most about when we were young marrieds was going to church. Guess who didn't want to go to church? Now, Tracy taught in a Baptist school. And they had a church attached to it. If you taught at the school, you'd go to the church. <laughs> and it was a, a Baptist with a capital B. Now, I come from a Baptist background. I can say this, okay? <clears throat> but they took attendance. 
She would get so mad at me that she would like rip the covers off of me on a Sunday morning. And you know what? I'm glad she's not here because she'd probably be gloating right now. <laughs> I think she won. <laughs> so if your spouse doesn't like to go to church, okay, don't give up on them, please. But, you know, as the years passed, we became more and more like one another. We like the same things. We enjoy the same activities. And we're almost like the same person now after 27 years. And in the same way as a Christian, the Holy Spirit changes you. Because the more you love Christ, the more Christ-like you become. So love and law actually go together. You know, if Tracy did stuff for me because she had to, that wouldn't be good, would it? And if Tracy loved me but never did anything for me, that's not good either. What did Jesus say was the heart of the law? Love the Lord with all your heart. Yes. So love is actually the heartbeat of the law. Now, not keeping his commands is sin. But the real sin is that we don't love him enough to do it. And it's at this point we get what Jesus is really after, okay? And that's the last principle. What he really wants through remaining and obeying is he wants our joy. He wants your joy. He wants his joy to be your joy. Now, if you only had verse 10... You could say that all Jesus wants is obedience, okay? He is like some kind of cosmic killjoy. He's got all these things he wants me to do. It doesn't sound like fun. But then Jesus says in verse 11, he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You know, God is like any parent who just wants their kid to succeed. You want it so bad for them, right? Right? And to do that, they need to obey you. They need to keep your commands, don't they? And then when you realize at some point in their life, when they're in their late teens or early 20s or 30s, right, that they were listening. Oh, my gosh, life is working for them. They were paying attention. They're pulling it off. You're like, yes. It's a miracle. They trusted us. They listened. They're making it. Joy. Angels sing. Your joy is in them, and their joy is complete, okay? So they went out driving alone for the first time. That's their joy, okay? And they made it home and survived. That's your joy. We're so bound up in them that their success is our success. And Jesus is saying the same thing. He says, as we remain and obey, his joy is bound up in us. He's saying, yes, they're becoming thriving, growing, mature Christians, Jonathan Edwards said this, he said, true love is placing our happiness and causing the good of another. So that person's good is your good. True love is placing our happiness and causing the good of another. So that person's good is your good. Okay, that's great, Blake, you know. But you know what, in real life, friendship is tough. I keep letting people down. People keep letting me down. I keep letting God down. And you know what? Jesus gives us the cure for all the letdowns right in verse 15. Listen to this. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You know, the reason we let God down, the reason we let others down, the reason we get so mad when people let us down, okay, it's always the same. Christians have been given the power of friendship, but we still act like servants. We're friends that act like servants. But if you're a Christian, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. So what happens when you act like a servant to Jesus instead of the friend he says you are? Think about work. How do you treat your boss? Okay, what is my job? You know, what do I need to do? I do my job, you know, it's kind of joyless. I don't like going to work every morning. I don't have the dream job, okay? But hey, payday's coming up. It's Friday, yeah. It's all worth it now because I'm going to get paid. Now, if you apply that to Jesus, here's what it looks like. I did all of this for you, Jesus. I kept your commands, Jesus. Now you pay me. I pray all these things that I really want you to give me that I deserve now because I did your commands, okay? In fact, you owe me them. And I prayed in Jesus' name. That's not keeping commands out of love. That's self-focused. That's not in Jesus' name. That's in our name. We're not doing it for Jesus. We're doing it for us. Now, pick your head up, Christians, okay? <laughs> pick your heads up. <laughs> because you can be a friend and still act like a servant, okay? We all do. But let me tell you something. It definitely does not work in the other direction. You cannot be a servant and think you're a friend. So what if you're not a Christian? You know, someone who's just a servant cannot pretend to be a friend. You're really fake friends. You can look like a Christian, you can walk like one, you can talk like one, but you're still a servant. Have you ever tried to be friends with somebody that you have nothing in common with? It just never takes off, does it? It never works. You just naturally fall out of touch. You can pretend you're a friend to Jesus, but unless you've had your you too moment with him, you don't have that thing in common. You're still denying the very premise of the gospel of Christianity. And you know what that premise is? That you're a sinner in need of a savior. You can't say you're friends with Jesus while at the same time saying you don't need a friend. Hey, we're friends, but you know, I really don't need friends. Okay? I'll be your friend, but I don't need a friend. That makes you a friend of me. So you can be busy at church, right? You can be serving. You can read your kid bedtime stories. You can do your morning devotionals. Uh, you can recycle and drive an electric car. All right? You can do all the things that make you a decent human being out there in the world. But you can't disagree with the very premise of the relationship that you can't save yourself and still be friends with Jesus. Now, Christians, we get full of ourselves, though. Okay? We get full of ourselves. Because Christians are a little schizophrenic. Okay? We're friends. We're servants. We're friends. We're servants. Yesterday I was a friend. Today I'm back in servant mode. Or... 
20 minutes ago, I was a friend. Now I'm a servant. We're always back and forth. We're always flipping back and forth. It's like a switch. And you know, it's going to be like that until Jesus is done with us, until the end of time when we meet him. But you know what? It should be happening less and less as you mature in Christ. It should be happening less and less as our love grows more and more for him. But mostly the way we treat God as Christians, because we're a work in progress, is we treat him like the friend who's been promoted to boss at work. Does that ever really work? Like, I've been the friend that got, got, was made the boss, okay? And I've been, like, the person who's had a friend become the boss. It just doesn't work well. It's clunky. Because we don't know where we stand. Our motivations get all messed up. You know, why am I doing it? Am I doing it to earn his favor? Am I doing it to get a promotion? Or am I doing it because he's just a really great boss and a great person and I want to please him? Or maybe I'm afraid I'll get fired, right? But Jesus is not like that. He says, you know where you stand. You're a friend. I've opened my mind to you. I have made myself known to you. He is not hiding a thing. He says, everything I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. In success, in failure, our best day and our worst day, okay? Jesus is the true friend that never lets you down. He'll never surprise you. He will surprise you one way by the depths of his grace, okay? And he'll never disappoint you because you'll never fall so far that he can't bring you back. And no matter how tough a day he's had, no matter how late at night it is, he always picks up the phone. That's why every other relationship, if it's what you're ultimately relying on, is going to let you down eventually. You're going to let somebody down or you're going to uh, be let down by somebody else. Because behind every search for a friend or a spouse or a significant other is really a search for something Christ can only give you. You know, when I was a, a young deputy U.S. marshal, uh, my partner and I down in Fort Lauderdale, uh, we were serving a warrant on somebody. It was an arrest warrant. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, it was a, a parole violation. It was just the two of us. It was before we sent Delta Force in for parking tickets. So we just went out to grab the guy, okay? Just like old school. So there we are, like we know he's inside. So I go through the door. It's dark, really not a great tactical situation. I mean, I'm, I still remember to this day. I can't see a thing hardly, but I get him, you know? I get him cuffed. Everything's, he's secure. And I'm getting ready to come out. And I look around. No partner. They didn't even come in. They were out on the curb. I was alone. That was a letdown, <laughs> to say the least. That was not a good feeling. It all worked out, but it still gives me the chills to this day because my partners were also always my best friends. But this one didn't go through the door with me. I'm going to ask Brad to come up as we close. But remember what Jesus says in verse 13? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Are you his friend? You know, even the best partners in the world, they won't lay their life down for you. And you know what? I wasn't the best partner either. There was times when I was slow to get through a door or I made mistakes. But the best partners, your best friends, 
Even the best human relationships are not the ultimate answer. When someone we care about struggles, when I struggle, Tracy is always pointing me back toward the one true friend, toward the gospel and Jesus. And you know how much pressure that takes off of a relationship? You know how freeing that is not to have to have all the answers? The ultimate safety and security and joy is something only Jesus can give. And if you're a friend of Jesus, he goes through the door to your heart for you. And that's the true narrow gate. Police call doorways fatal funnels because that's where all the bullets go. Jesus catches the bullets for your sin. You can only go through that narrow gate behind Jesus. But sometimes, Jesus goes through the door and he looks around and we're still on the curb. When he goes into your heart, into that fatal funnel, to deal with the threat of your sin, to deal with the bullets, remain with him, obey with him, obey him, and experience the joy of avoiding the bullets and avoiding your sin. And then when you fail, you know what? He takes the bullets anyway. What a partner. What a friend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this time to worship your word. Lord, we thank you that you thought it was so important that you would spend the last few precious minutes of your life speaking with your friends, Lord, about how to be a better one. Are you a friend of Jesus? If you're out there, are you a friend of Jesus? Maybe today is the moment you decide. Maybe you have that moment when you know you're needed and you accept what he offers. Forgiveness. You can't earn it. Being a servant isn't enough. But you can decide to follow him today. And Christian, are you a friend of Jesus? Don't doubt that. He's opened himself up to you. You know that you are. And I ask this of the brothers and sisters here. You may be acting like a servant, but remember what he's done. He did it all so you wouldn't have, not so you wouldn't have to, friends, but actually so you could. So instead of earning your wages, now you want to do it out of love and thankfulness. Help us to grow in that friendship, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.